Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, I, I uh, don't think I, uh, from the start of the game, I don't think I took a breath until James Neal scored in the third period. So um, that was a long time to go without oxygen, but I made it. And so mm-hmm. did the Edmonton Oilers, Bruce. Huge, absolutely huge, huge, huge 6-3 win over the Blackhawks. And, and today I was reminding myself, like, you know, we, we've obviously, as Oilers fans, been through lots of playoff series. And I was, I was thinking back to 1990, the Winnipeg series. Yes. And how the Oilers got off to a pretty rocky start in that one. But um, game one against Chicago, I think, was the single rockiest playoff game I think I've ever seen an Oilers team play. They were just... So many of their best players had absolutely rancid, terrible, no good, rotten games in game one. And the the, the only upside I could think was they can't get any worse than that. And and um, maybe they can even snap back and be a whole lot better. And that's exactly what we saw tonight was a number of players snapping back and being a whole heck of a lot better. This was a, a, a it was a pretty do- even th- even though the game was close to the end middle of the third it was a pretty dominant game i thought by the Edmonton Oilers overall and the score reflected the flow of play in the end 6-3 the Oilers were clearly the better team so this is our uh, two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast and because it's a big Oilers win Bruce will go with two good things each so what's your first good thing let's do that uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Edmonton penalty kill, uh, which went to work um, uh, in the second period when they had four penalties, and uh, one of which carried over into the third. But in particular, there was a stretch of time, uh, 7.37 Cassian for holding, 9.35 Shane for slashing, 11.56 Benning for high sticking. Well, that's what? 21 seconds of even strength hockey in a six six and a half minute span. They you know they were shorthanded for the entire time, and uh, especially the the first of the three penalty kills, which which was uh, featured some heroic play from several Oilers who paid the price. Uh, all four penalty killers blocked a shot, and, and uh, Ethan Bear blocked two. And uh, Shane and Archibald each blocked one, and then Nurse took one rocket that he stopped. And then they carried on. The Oilers blocked 12 shots in the last 12 minutes of the second period, and they were kind of hanging on. Uh, that was the game, part of the game that Chicago really were bringing it. And, of course, all those power plays helped. And, and uh, uh, just the, the determination of the Edmonton penalty killers after their dismal game one, uh, to not get scored on. And, you know, I don't know that Koskinen had too many real tough saves to make on the penalty kill. I think the guys in front of him mostly made those saves and uh, otherwise got the job done. And even though they eventually did give up that 3-2 lead briefly uh, on a kind of a cheesy goal from the point, they uh, they got it back with a cheesy lead of their own, a goal of their own to regain the lead right away. And... I saw that that sequence of penalty kills as uh, part of the game where it seemed like the Oilers should be on the ropes, and in one respect they were, but in another, that was when they really uh, stood tall or laid down wide or <laughs> whatever. They were getting in the way of those pucks, and they were ta- taking them for the team, and uh, you got to like that uh, 
there's lots of different ways to take one for the team, but uh, blocking a one-time slap shot is certainly one of those ways. Bruce, they, they, before the game, I wrote a piece, five things the orders have to do mm. to win this game. Mm. And one of them was to be calm on the PK. Yep. And they weren't chasing as much this time. Chicago mm-hmm. had a lot of possession on that PK, yep. but the Oilers didn't get out of position. They didn't give those seams up, and they didn't give the open shot in front of the net. Um, maybe once, and I think that was blocked by Nurse, right. um, that someone got a, a really good shot in front of the net. So this was a very disciplined, calm, excellent veteran power play going to work. Just fantastic work on the on the um, excuse me penalty kill, going to work and. Um, yeah, that's what I noticed. They weren't they weren't panicked this time. They didn't try to do too much. And Chicago in that in that time frame according to our analysis Bruce, they did not get off one great A scoring chance shot um that was stopped by Koskinen. I think uh, the one that Nurse stopped theoretically a great A shot, but I think Koskinen was in position to make the save as well. So we we don't count block shots by the defenseman as getting through to the goalie unless unless the Unless the defenseman's going to make the save itself, that would have been a goal, and the goalie's out of position. But Koskinen was in position anyway. That was really fantastic that they didn't allow even one great A chance. And I was on my the edge of my chair the whole time, like I'm sure every Oilers fan was, because Chicago really did dominate possession. Much of that, much of those um, power plays, they just were moving the puck around, but they couldn't get a tough mm-hmm. shot through. They couldn't get a dangerous shot through, which was fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, when they they got. Vets like Kane and Keith and Taves letting the puck do the work, and the puck was zing, 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 zing going around, but they uh, uh, they didn't set up the kind of wide open shots that they were getting on uh, uh, on Saturday afternoon. That was yeah. the undoing of the penalty kill. I mean, they, one of the even strength goals was like that, where they lost a battle in the corner, and Slater Cook wound up, uh, well, he literally wound up and let fly from you know, right in the slot where he was wide open, had all day to pick his spot. But uh, that was at even strength. But on the penalty kill, uh, they kept uh, damage to the minimum. And let's see now, on on Saturday, Chicago had 13 shots on the power play, and tonight they had six. So yeah. Edmonton really, really uh, cut that down. And, I mean, so they had a lot of shot attempts, but they didn't get that many through. So, I mean, I think those... Yeah. Two penalty kills in a row block seven, and they only got six yeah. on net. So the block shot is huge on the penalty kill, especially in the playoffs. It's a huge part of a winning team's game, and the Oilers had that going on. Did First you hear the? Thing, did you hear the bench erupting when some of these shots were being blocked? Like this is the sort of thing you yeah. don't usually hear in the game because of the crowd, yeah. right? And yeah. you heard the big, big uh, attaboy kind of sounds coming from the Oilers bench. When these shots were being blocked, and and uh, you know you can just hear it lifting the whole team. I guess that's what it sounds like when you kill a rat, right? <laughs> Isn't that the, the attaboy, dismissive? Attaboy, you got him. The dismissive him. put down that some people make for uh, uh, well, a person, Kent Wilson. It was actually a great uh, line. It says uh, blocking uh, shots is like killing rats. You know, it's it. Uh, it, it needs to be done, but if you find yourself doing a whole lot of it, maybe you've got a bigger problem. And you know he's got a very, very good point. But they killed a few, rat, killed a few I, rats in rapid succession there in the second period. I guess if rats were bothering you, if you killed one, that would be pretty damn satisfying. Bruce, my good thing is Connor <laughs> McDavid. My good thing is Connor McDavid, and he was absolutely fantastic this game. He had been so flat. 
at even strength in the first game and, and had probably his worst even strength game of the season. I think it might be fair to say. And tonight he just came out from, from the work, the get go. And, um, his hand eye coordination, Bruce, on on the first and second goal. The puck is a boing, 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 and he's tapping it out of the air and <laughs> bouncing pucks. He the on the rush up. So, so the first goal, he just he picks it up, a bouncing puck, and slaps it in the top corner. But on that rush up the ice, including him playing the puck to himself once, he was dealing with a bouncing puck almost the entire time, oh. and he kept bouncing it along and controlling <laughs> it until he at, was able to pick. You know, uh, the top, it was a shorthand, was it a backhand shot, top shelf, backhand? Is that what that was? Uh, the second one was a backhand. The first one was kind of a whack one-timer yeah. on forehand. And two roof jobs in the first four minutes of the game. So he was just, you know, and there had been, of course, some BS commentary about McDavid after the last game that, you know, that he, he wasn't... Mm-hmm. Anyway, that he that he his personality was somehow lacking. It was the it was it was ridiculous. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, there's all these players who are completely stoic mm-hmm. and um, don't let things get to them. And Gretzky was like that, so bland with the media. And and to 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 say that McDavid isn't a leader because he he he's curt, terse, and bland with the media. I mean, I think I would also be those things if I was asked questioned about my. My fellow workers, my employ, my my performance on the job, and my uh, bosses all day long, every day. I think I'd be pretty closed mouth well, as well. And to take was, that and extrapolate that into that he's isn't a leader on the Oilers was was a, just a truly atrocious take. Uh, for uh, it was a Zoom interview after a bad loss by his team. You what are you expecting to be effusive and charming? I mean, come on. Yeah. Anyway, he anyway, the guy who did that has a you know he's he's has a reputation for getting out of line on Twitter, and he did again there, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Anyway, I don't even know if McDavid heard that or heard about that, but oh, nonetheless, I, I dared. Yeah, I think he probably did. <laughs> but Bruce, that was a fantastic. That that was his best game in the play, that we've seen him play in the playoffs. Um, that you know he's he's now got what is it? He got three points tonight. Three. Yeah. So six points in two playoff games. So he's helping well, out. Here's a little detail that I liked, and I'll 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 I'll, I'll take credit because this is true, of course, um, for saying it before it before the goal ever happened. But the game started in Chicago. Of course, it's a visiting team. They choose their lines first. Jonathan Taves lines up at center, and you think if Tippett's going to match up and try and avoid McDavid from Taves, he's not going to put him out for the opening faceoff, and he did put him out for the opening faceoff. And I said to my wife, "This is a good call. I like that he's put McDavid out there. It's just giving him the challenge right off the bat." And McDavid scores at the 19-second mark. Taves jersey number, just for a little added little. Little nice touch on the on that first goal, and and, and you, you it kind of felt that. things are going to be better with the all all is going to be well with the world when McDavid scores in the first twenty seconds of play. I think that McDavid may have asked to play against. I don't know if he did or not, but I I suspect well, that he may have asked to play coach. against Taves in that game, which was a really bold statement from McDavid. If if that's what's happened, and I'm just guessing, I don't have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just guessing. But if that's what happened, like he's like, I'm gonna, I'm doing it. I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking on there that line, and I'm gonna show them who's what's what and who's who. 
And uh, so if that's what happened, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And, and if it was just the coach mm-hmm. making that call, that's also yeah. really gutsy and ballsy to put up uh, McDavid in that position. And right. cause every fan was complaining about it, including me and you, I think at the cult of hockey, that matchup, but they just embraced it. And that's how you have to win. And it is truly how you have to win in the playoffs. Your best players must consistently go against the best players on the other team and better them. And there's no other way to win yeah. in the playoffs. It's so good for them for doing it. Well, he played the most, uh, the most minutes tonight, uh, uh, over six minutes against Saad, Kubelik, and Taves. Uh, 6-10 directly against uh, Taves, uh, during which time the Oilers outshot the Hawks 6-1 to and outscored them 1-0. And so they were dominating the play head-to-head McDavid against Taves. What is your second good thing, Bruce McCurdy? I'm going to go with... Uh, a player who doesn't get a lot of love around here lately, Jujar Kara, I thought he was excellent in this game. I really enjoyed his play. thought he had a strong game. He had uh, he was taking the puck hard in the net. He was shooting it hard. Uh, uh, he had four shots on net, and they were, they were good, solid shots. I don't know how many of them were scoring chances, but, you know, from sort of, if we were still scoring grade B scoring chances, uh, a couple of them were that. But uh, uh, I just like his, his decision-making. I thought... Uh, um, he's looking pretty solid between the two veteran wingers, James Neal and, and uh, Alex Chason. And tonight's game, we really saw that, you know, they sort of embraced their role as a, as a uh, forechecking, uh, grinded-out uh, unit. Uh, but they were actually generating plays and chances and, and doing things with the puck and really not getting... Uh, uh, not getting into any kind of trouble on the defensive side. Kara, uh, uh, in his, he played nine and a half minutes at even strength. Oilers outshot the Hawks eight to two, and uh, uh, they, uh, uh, and he had four of those shots. Right? I mean, he, he had a strong game. He was uh, four and four on the faceoff dots, so he held his own there. The one little down thing was he did take a he did take a holding penalty at the blue line late in the second period. Uh, but he also chipped in on the uh, on the penalty kill, not that one, but on the other ones, as he usually does. And I, I, I just liked his game. And I, I think he's looked more comfortable at center. And I would never have guessed this a year ago. I was thinking, you know, he's almost certainly cast his future as being a winger now. And yet he's looked, he's played some of his best hockey in what was a pretty mediocre year for him, to be honest. I'm, I, I would say tonight was one of his best games that he's ever played for the Oilers. It, it was, Bruce. It's And it's, you know, we followed his career all the way through the AHL where he be, worked his way up from a fourth-line center to the best player on that AHL team. Mm-hmm. And I was really hopeful that he would yeah. carry on in the NHL and continue to do that. But he has been so inconsistent. We've yeah. seen we've seen some really good signs and good games from, from Kara, but um, the mental game... Is, hasn't been there where he's able been able to be effect, an effective hockey player game in, game out, because he's had really good games and really bad games. Now, this is two good games in a row, and to give Tippett credit, I mean, I criticized him after last game. This grind line that he's put together uh, was the one of the best, was probably the best footers line last game, and it was, again, this game was, was, was they were just really Very fantastic. They're really giving hell to the Chicago defense, and I have to give Tippett credit also for... Uh, putting Archibald up with McDavid. Mm-hmm. It was exactly the right move with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid. It, it freed, 
I think uh, Archibald's quite a smart player. And I think what it is, does is it frees up McDavid and, and Nuge j- just to attack, 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 because they know they're going to be covered by Archibald, who's going to be in the right spot to, co- to cover for them. He's kind of like their Tikkanen, not as good as us at Tikkanen, but the same role um, that Tikkanen played with Curry and Gretzky. So I liked that Speaking line. Speaking of with baseball, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if he speaks Tikkish. Um, so, which is a famous Cam Cole line. Uh, that he's as a and has his own language, Tikish. Tikanese was the other word I used heard to describe it, which is pretty funny. I once interviewed Tikanen, and he was he really did have a unique way of expressing himself. It was like an hour long interview over lunch. Like I did a writing a profile on him, and what he was quite a character. I really I really liked him in person. Um, Bruce, some exchanges with him on Twitter, and he actually does chat back and forth a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like a, sure. He's got a different. He's got a different outlook. That's for sure. Bruce, um, is it time for my? Yeah, it's time for my second good thing, and I'm going to go with the bounces in the game. And we've often said the games come down to like two excellent plays, two big saves, and two bounces. And in this game, it was more like four bounce. There were there were it came down to four bounces, but three of them went for the Oilers and one of them went for the Hawks. And on the Oilers' fourth, fifth, and sixth goals, they just got those bounces that they desperately needed. And you'd think one of those goals would have broken the Blackhawks back, like when Ennis's weird goal went in, right? Did that? How many? That went off at least. One player, I think, for sure, maybe two. Ennis's goal, his point shot. Well, it just kind of, I thought it just kind of went through everybody, and just Crawford never saw it because it went through. Yeah. And somebody was decking Drysaddle in the slot, and there was a lot of sort of slam bang stuff going on, and the, and Ennis just kind of sifted it in there. It might have caught a skate or something on the way it in. Did, maybe. It uh, it uh, I'd have to look again, but uh, it was. Uh, uh, and that, you're not even counting that as one of the bounces, right? That was the that was the three to one goal. Oh, excuse and me. Then, yeah, yeah. I, I, then the four three goal, McDavid bounced it off the leg of uh, uh, Duncan Keith, and then this was right after Chicago well, tied it bounce, on a cheap was, bounces of their own. There was two bounces on McDavid's goal, Bruce. Mm-hmm. There was two. It went off uh, the guy's stick, and then the defenseman. In front of the oh, yeah, okay. So both those guys. Keith. It's actually, it's actually, it's. I would say the yeah. I'm counting the NSs. So we're talking about all four of the last four goals. Four goals. Yeah. I thought, and then so Neil's the goal. Early. Neil's goal um, was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, because who knew who knew how that game was going to go until that moment. And um, good for Ju- speaking of Jujar Kara, he just charged in there on that oh. play, and it was him charging in there that freaked out Crawford a little bit. Yep. And Neil just did what he does. James Neal can still put that puck. He's still got the hands, Bruce. Tuck he can still home, tuck yeah. that puck home. And then there's a great Neal bull rush up the ice where he, he charges at the net and, and it, a Chicago defenseman in trying to stop him slams the puck at his own goalie, forcing a, a grade A save. And then Chason gets gets the rebound and slams it in. So those are, the, those are the bounces that, that a, a team needs even in a game where they actually dominate in, uh, in a lot of ways, you, you need those bounces, and they certainly got them tonight. Well, those are both goals were scored as unassisted goals officially. Oh, really? And I really thought Kara deserved an assist on the first one, and I really thought Neil deserved an assist on the oh, second yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I guess they were monitoring who last 
touch the puck. And I mean, who touched it versus who actually had proper possession of it is often two different questions. And, and they may revisit those. The Oilers had three unassisted goals in this game. And then the other three were all McDavid from Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. they, they, that big, I mean, those two unassisted goals, at least two of the big three guys were, were in there causing all kinds of ruckus and disturbance. And one was a five foot shot officially, and the other was a seven foot shot. You know, they got it in close to the net. And when they got their chance, they buried it. But Chase on, like he had the puck at a bad angle and he just roofed it, no mistake, ripped it upstairs. And, and uh, once it was 6-3, that was finally when I, I, you said you felt relief at 5-3. When they got the 6-3 goal, I was starting to think, okay, maybe we got this one. <laughs> it was so frenetic for 40 minutes. And I think it, Chicago just keeps on coming. But they yeah. kind of died off in the third. I thought with the two-goal lead in Edmonton playing pretty well that it was probably safe at that point. But you never know. Bruce, what is your bad thing? I'm going to, for all those block shots, I'm going to single out Chris Russell's misguided attempt to block, uh, who was it who scored the third goal? Oli Mata from the point, this sort of 62-foot floater that's just coming in, and Koskinen's all over it. I mean, any goalie's going to stop that puck 100% of the time, and and Krusty uh, decides that uh, he's going to block it instead, and he tries to make a skate save and he winds up kicking it up and over and past um, uh, dribbled over Kyle. It was a bad bounce. I'll grant you it was a bad bounce. I just thought it was in the heat of the action. The instincts of that particular player is to try and basically be a goalie and block everything. But sometimes you just got to let the guy behind you do his job and you do yours to clearing the crease and the rebound. So in a game where I saw a lot more good things than bad, I'm going to single out that one play. Not the player, you know, I mean, the player made the play, but, I mean, he didn't have a bad game, but uh, that was a bad play. Yeah, it's tough, those ones. I, I don't know if I if I can agree completely. Mm-hmm. Like, because when you're a shot blocker, and when shot blocking is such a key part of the game, yeah, it's I'm kind of hard to say, well, on that one, he deflected it in, and those other ones, they saved the game. Because there's a fine line between the two. There is. And you're going for it all the time, right? If you're going to block the shots, you're just going to block the shots. So I know this was Don Cherry's, one of his pet peeves, but I think mm-hmm. it's, I, 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 and I know that you don't make that criticism. Like Don Cherry made it all the time, right? He, he just thought the defenseman needed to get because that's the way it was well, done he, in the 1970s. He cherry picked like crazy. Every, every time a defenseman tried to tip a shot and it went in the net, it would be on coach's corner that Saturday night. And the 557 times that a defenseman tipped the puck into the stands, none of them would ever be on coach's call. Yeah. His, his, his idea of hockey was, was rooted <laughs> in the past. I mean, the whole thing about getting stick on puck is an absolute hockey fundamental. Mm-hmm. And it's taught at all levels of the game now. And if you don't get stick on puck, like, you're not playing hockey. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the whole game. And, and, and shot blocking is huge. So... In this case, it went bad. Usually, it goes. Yeah, right, I'm, so. I'm, this is a reluctant bad thing for me on a good night. Let's let's. Okay. Put it, I guess I could whine about the the uh, refs over, uh, overturning the four minute high sticking call on Dylan Strom because they decided it was Riley Shane's stick and not Strom's stick that high stick Cassian. But if you, if they really looked at the replay that they looked at, they would have seen Strom grab Shane's stick and smash Cassian in the face with it. 
should have been Watch a penalty. That replay so, again. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah he, he did use Cheyenne's stick, but it was his grab and, and shove of the stick into Cassian's face that drew the blood. Yeah, I don't know if there's some technicality around the rule that would prevent you from giving the penalty to Strong, but clearly he grabbed his stick and shoved it into Cassian's face. It, accidentally, I think. I don't think it was an intentional play, but he did intentionally grab the stick. He was trying to slow down the player. Uh, and, and this is the new rule that came about after the uh, utter fiasco in last year's playoffs that cost Vegas Golden Knights the seventh game against San Jose when Joe Pavelski uh, uh, got hurt on a, on a play that where they tabbed a, mi- a major penalty and it really wasn't a penalty at all. And uh, and San Jose scored three on the p- third period power play to tie up game seven and ultimately win it in overtime. And they changed the rule because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the first time I've actually seen them apply that rule and rescind the penalty. So of course it happens to the Oilers. But... <laughs> well, they could have, in, they could have rescinded most of the games I watch are Oilers games, so it probably happened in a bunch of other games that I didn't see. But could have been worse. They could have rescinded the penalty and given Chicago a third-round draft pick from the Oilers. <laughs> First, uh, my bad thing is um, the, some know. of the slot coverage of the Oilers, and the, man, the first goal, the, as great as McDavid, as great as McDavid was that game, man, he's got to make that play on on Patrick Kane, and to give McDavid credit. For the rest of that period, he was on those guys in the slot. Finally, like he's got to be. If he wants to win the Stanley Cup, he's got to make up his mind. He will He will not let someone score on him in the defensive slot. He let Kane do it on their first goal. And, and you know, Nurse also kind of got dragged behind the net, which is, you know, instead of covering the slot. Like, they're not going to score from back there, but maybe they want pressure on the puck. So I'm not going to say anything on that. But McDavid was right there with Kane. He had to cover that. And then we saw it again a few moments later. And, and Chason was the closest player to the shooter. I can't remember who got the shot off, but uh, it was a really deadly scoring chance shot that Koskinen stopped. And then on the second Chicago goal, there's a whole cluster of Oilers players who oh. were to blame for Slater Kukuk's um, uh, goal, where he was just, again, wide open in the slot, plenty of time to pick the corner. And there, you know, there was Annis out there, Drysaddle out there, Yamamoto with a turnover, Koskinen with a bad rebound. Both Nur- both Nurse and um, and and uh, I think it was Bear might have picked off the pass or done something. But man, that was just a mess. Anytime you you give a guy that kind of time to move right in in the slot, you're you're asking for trouble. So, but after that, and, and so up until that moment, Bruce, I was thinking, this Oiler team, if they lose this game. It's mm-hmm. because they have forgotten how to cover the defensive slot. But they actually um, tighten things up considerably after that. And to beat Chicago, they're going to have to get on that. They're going to mm-hmm. have to get on the slot defense and not continue yeah. to make those mistakes. And hopefully McDavid has – that will be the final wake-up call. And same with Drysettle. Yeah. Drysettle's got to do a bit better in the defensive slot as well. They got, yeah, they got to identify that guy and go to him, not go near him, but actually go to him and take a stick and so on. Like McDavid, it would have required a real good play, but he was in position to make the real good play, and he didn't make it on the cane goal. What is your numero, Bruce? I'm going to go with this uh, 35 to 26. This is a shots on goal in this game for Edmonton. And this is after Edmonton basically getting blitzed in the shot clock in four out of four games against Chicago this year, 
with an average uh, game shot clock of 40 to 28 for Chicago. 40 to 28. So Chicago has really been peppering uh, Edmonton's netminders, and they've had a you know they've had a substantial edge in shots, like at least seven more shots than Edmonton in all four games to this point. And so that was something Edmonton needed to turn around, and they did. 35 to 26, especially like that 26. They they held Chicago to uh, just seven shots in the third period when you know it was 4-3 Edmonton for much of the period, and and they they seemed to seize more control of the game uh, even just before they got the two goals. I liked the way they were playing with the lead, and then they, of course, once they expanded the lead to three, it was uh, clear sailing. But uh, they they uh, they really bore down on their. Uh, Defensive aspect, their puck support was better. There's getting the puck out of the zone was better, and uh, I thought just their decision making was better. And, and uh, I was starting to calm down after sort of five periods of what's going on? How that guy get open <laughs> like that and get the puck? You know, and so it's uh, it's nice to see the uh, uh, them. Uh, uh, you know the way the way they finished off this game was was very encouraging. 18 to 8 for grade 8 chances for the Oilers, 18 for the Oilers, 8 for Chicago. And I agree. You know, we've seen the Oilers, this Oilers team at her tippet play some fantastic defensive games mm-hmm. um, this year where they've shut down the opposition and been really solid in the third period. I think the most solid defensive okay, Oilers sure. team in since the Stanley Cup run uh, at times and like better than any of McClellan's teams in that regard in, in terms of being able to shut down the opposition. And... Uh, so yeah, I agree. It was finally we finally uh, with starting with that run of penalty kills and then yeah. the even strength play in the third. We saw that going on. Bruce, um, I'm going to single up. There was 18 Grade A chances for the Oilers, and eight of those shots came from the what I don't know what they call them that the heavy hockey line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Chase on had two, Neil had three, and Kara had three. Eight eight out of 18 Grade A shots. That, that line had more grade-A shots than any other Oilers line. Uh, some of them came on the power play. How many were on the power play? Yeah, yeah, a, few, yeah. a handful of them, but okay. none of Kara's, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, McDavid had three. Nuge had a couple. Ennis had three. Yamamoto had one. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu had one. Bruce, and that uh, just nice quickly game. added in. That was his best game as an Edmonton Oiler. He really was hustling. Clearly, when he's hustling and moving his feet and and going for it, and can, and trying to control the puck down low, not throw it away, he can mm-hmm. be a very effective uh, role player on this Oilers team. That I thought that that, that line was also good, but um, that 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 big line uh, that was very sweet to behold the way that Kara, Chase on and Neil played. And if you can get that kind of play out of a fourth line consistently through the playoffs, um, that's the hallmark of a winning playoff team. And uh, we're a little early in declaring that with the Edmonton Oilers that they're going to be that kind of team, but that's certainly a good signal. All right. Any other thoughts or? Uh, well, just on uh, Athanasiu, he, he really showed um, tonight a real strong desire to attack the defense. Yeah. To get to pick up the puck in the neutral zone and just get, gather speed and one-on-one, one-on-two take it hard and he's just he kind of bulls the puck to the net uh and he's not you know he's not just a speedster he's got some real st- sort of strength and power moves in there and he uh uh, uh 
he showed that on a number of plays tonight, and I guess officially he only had uh, uh, two shots on net, and they charged him with three giveaways. Well, I guess if you want to call it a giveaway when you're mashing the puck into the other team's zone and you don't quite make it through the last line of defense, then I didn't I didn't see him as a liability in any way in, in this game, and I've I've been quite critical of this player up until now, and. This is uh, more a sign of, well, that's what we traded for, maybe. That's what we saw tonight. Yeah, it kind of justified the trade, right? Like, he, he played well in a really big game, and he was part of a winning effort in a playoff game. So suddenly the trade starts to starts to move in the direction of making a little bit of sense. We'll see how it plays out in the rest of the playoffs. And, like, this Oilers team is obviously in tough against Chicago. This is a team... Um, that can really score goals and make nice plays. And they're, they're a dangerous hockey team on the attack. So we'll see what happens next. Bruce, is it Wednesday? This is the next game. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Wednesday, then Friday. And if game five is necessary, that goes Saturday on a back to back. So we'll, I'm guessing we'll see Koskinen again. It's Koskinen again. Um, oh. Until they lose. I think we'll see Koskinen. I would think so. Yeah. He was pretty good. I mean, he, he had the one, bad rebound where it went kind of right. through his legs and that kicked off the sequence of pain on the second Chicago goal. But other than that, Koskinen was, was pretty solid. And he was solid. Yeah. I didn't like his puck handling much. Like he no, went was behind diff- the net and he was a little, uh, yeah, a little off form there a couple times, but, uh, uh, his net mining was pretty good. Kukuk put, found a hole, but he had a, real clear look for a hard shot and it's one of those ones where the goalie doesn't much time to move and if it does hit a hole it's probably going to go in yeah so you know the one guy we haven't seen an a game the a game yet from i'd say from larson and clefbaum we probably saw their b minus game today c plus b minus they were not bad they weren't uh fantastic but they weren't bad uh, nurse and Bear, I'm going to give them their B or B plus game. They, I thought they were pretty good. I thought Nurse was very good. But Dreisaitl, game. we have yet to see his A game, and that was a he 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 seemed to be lacking a little uh, get up and go at times uh, when I was watching him. He made some nice plays, um, but he, we haven't seen him dominate yet in the way that he can. And, and when he and Yamamoto start getting it going, and it looks like they're going to keep you know, the balance of Nugent Hopkins with McDavid. And that worked out well tonight. You know, Tippett, we, I did a poll burst. 90% of fans essentially wanted to see the dynamite line back together. Sure. But, um, you know, Tippett stuck to that. And it's, it's not and a crazy... Like, McDavid three times. Yeah, it's not a crazy <laughs> decision to do that. Like, these are all fantastic hockey players. Um, and, and you can, you know, you can have these two kind of dominant pairings uh, together. So... It's going to be Drysaddle and Nuge aren't going to see each other. I don't think. I, you know, Tippett's going to stick with that. I think that the message has been sent, uh, although you never know. But Drysaddle, Yamamoto, and Ennis can get it done. Like they, they can, um, they can get it done. Although who knows? Maybe if Athanasiu keeps driving like that, he's going to work his way up the lineup. We'll see. Although maybe he needs to be the main guy. Like maybe he needs to know he's the main puck carrier on the line in order to play like like he did tonight. So, uh, but anyway, I think we're, we have yet to see Dry Settle's A game. So I'm hoping to see that uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, he had three points with his C game on Saturday, <laughs> and, and uh, today he had uh, he was good in the dot, 13 and seven on on the dot, but uh, he had no shots on net, uh, uh, which is very rare for him. And and uh, 
as I say, some decent plays, but uh, we, we certainly didn't see him dominate as we know that he can. And I'm looking for him to, to lead the charge in game three now. You know, the yeah. gauntlet's been put down and time for him to step up and seize the bull by the horns. Maybe someone will criticize his personality and inspire him now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Kurt's doing yeah. the game grades. Thanks for talking sure. tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.